Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. Let's get into the Word tonight. Acts chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up in verse 11 in just a moment. Before you do, I want to tell a quick story. I was at a youth ministry conference one time up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I remember David Platt, you guys ever heard of him? You know, some no-name preacher, David, David Platt. It's a, it's a joke, he's really famous. Um, if you haven't heard of David Platt, just check him out. He's put out some really good stuff. Uh, he's written some really great books. But anyway, David Platt was preaching. He's always preaching seated. I don't know how you do that. I could not stay seated while preaching, um, but he does. And so he's preaching, preached an awesome sermon from Isaiah 6. I still remember it. But one of the coolest parts about the sermon is that right next to him, there was an artist doing something like this. We'll put a picture up just so you guys kind of get what I'm talking about. Have you guys ever seen this before where, where, where someone is painting while someone is preaching? Have you guys ever seen that? It's amazing. If, if you haven't, it's really cool. Maybe we can, if any of you are like gifted like that, let me know. Uh, I definitely am not, and I have mad respect for you if you are, okay? If you like brushes and canvas and all that and you want to paint a picture while I preach, I'm totally cool with that. We can, we can rock that. But... This happened during, during the conference, and at the, end of the picture, you know, at the end of the sermon, it was just this beautiful picture. It was about the gospel, and it was just this, this magnificent picture of what Jesus has done for us. There was a cross. There was a crown of thorns. There was, there was all this imagery and color. And it was just beautiful painting. And after the service was over, you know, there was a line that came up to this artist and people were talking to this artist and things like that. And I, and I got to kind of eavesdrop, eve, eavesdrop, sorry, let's put a V in there, eavesdrop on the conversations. And what was happening was they were, they were expressing their, their amazement at what this artist had done. But you know what I didn't hear? I thought it was very interesting that I'd never heard anything about the brushes. No one said, oh man, that's a number seven Phillips brush. Oh my goodness, that, that brush, man. Or dude, that canvas, like you're painting on, on, the, on the platinum edition, this and that canvas. I mean, no one was talking about any of the tools. Where did the glory go? The artist and the art. And last week we talked about a lame beggar being healed miraculously. His life completely changed. Gospel transformation, physical healing. Peter and John show up on the scene. They said, silver and gold, we don't have it. But what we do have, we give you. Get up and walk. Be changed in the power of Jesus' name. And that man was healed on the spot. And where we're at this week in Acts we're, we're gonna pick up that story because the man was healed. Everybody got super excited about it, just like you and I would if we were there. And after he's healed, his life's been made brand new. Do you, do you remember the first thing he did? He was, remember, walking, leaping, jumping around, skipping around. He was so excited. People took notice, and this miracle set up a sermon because it was always gonna lead towards, it wasn't just about the miracle in and of itself, it was about the sermon that was about to take place. And like many sermons, especially in the beginning of Acts, he's preaching to fellow Jews. And Peter has three very specific truths, these core truths that we're gonna get into together to give glory to God for his work through the gospel. 
And so I want to say a quick prayer for us before we dive into these truths. Lord Jesus, open our eyes tonight to what you have for us. Remind us of the power of the gospel. Help us to never be ashamed of the gospel. If we are in Christ, help us have boldness and courage to share this glorious gospel. And Lord, I pray for those tonight who need to be restored in their hope, or maybe for the first time to have true hope, I pray that they would give their lives to you tonight, Lord, that they would respond to the gospel in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, if you're taking notes, we're gonna write down this first core truth, and here it is, and you're gonna, you're gonna see it and think, well, we talked about that last week, and you're, you're right, we did, and we're gonna talk about it the next week and the next week because it's a huge theme over Acts 3 and 4, and here it is, ready? Number one, write this down. The powerful name of Jesus. We're gonna put that slide up there. The powerful name of Jesus. And so as you're writing that down, we're gonna be in verses 11 through 16, and I just wanna read these verses together. So pick it up with me here in verse 11. While he was holding on to Peter and John, again, this is the healed man, the man whose life had been changed. He's holding on to Peter and John. And all the people, utterly astonished, they ran towards them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, he addressed the people, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own godliness. The God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. We're gonna stop right there in 14, and I just wanna go back to what Peter just said for a moment. We can't move past this because Peter asked three distinct questions. So let's go through them in order. The healed man is holding on to them. And Peter Peter notices everyone's getting worked up because what's going on in this moment is the glory is going more to the instruments than to the artist. You, You follow me? You see where the illustration comes in? that they were tempted to make much of Peter and John. And see, pre-Holy Spirit-filled Peter might have went for that. But Peter makes no mistake about saying, no, you don't understand. And so here are three questions where Peter corrects. Number one is this, why are you amazed? Why are you amazed? And as you're writing that down this evening, we have to ask ourselves that question. When God moves in mighty ways, why are we so amazed? Well, because it's amazing, but he does this all the, it's what he does. He's saying, and here's the application that flows from this question, ready? We should expect great things from a mighty God. Why are you so amazed? Now it's okay to respond in awe and wonder, but he makes known through this question, you know, a lot can be said through a question, that we should expect great things from a mighty God. Not only does he ask that, but he asks this. Remember, look back in the text. He says, why do you stare at us? Why do you stare at us? What are you guys looking at? It's got nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus. So the application that flows out of this question, why do you stare at us, is this. We should resist, oh, this is so important. We should resist at getting enamored with those who God uses mightily. Have you noticed this in our culture? 
even in like Christian subculture, um, Christian celebrity culture, because of what social media has added fuel to the fire. Now people that do great and mighty things for God and God's working in their life, and this is good and amazing and right and true, and we should celebrate when God does amazing things, but what happens is that these people who are vessels of grace, they're normal everyday people, they're made into some kind of Christian stars, pastors with $1,600 sneakers made into celebrity status. And I gotta be honest with you, there's some people there's some pastors, if they walked in this room right now, I would get super nervous. I would be a little starstruck. I'm not, a, I'm not immune from this. I don't know if you guys would agree with me. Like, like, like there's some people you're like, oh my goodness, it's so-and-so. I mean, we, we do this because we're human. Peter and John are not having that. Peter specifically says, this ain't about us. And the third question was this. Why do you think that we caused him to walk by our own power, leading these two things, by, by our own power or by our own godliness? Now, this is huge because many of us in the room have done this. We see God work through someone, their life, their work, their ministry, and we go, oh, I could never do that. Oh, that's good for them because they're so gifted and talented and godly and great, but not me. God can never do that through me. And I have fire in my bones to remind you of this tonight, that God will blow your mind with how he wants to use you. I never imagined in my wildest dreams that God would use me in the ways that he's used me. And I'm not trying to make much of myself by saying that, I'm just telling you that if there was a superlative of least likely to stand on a stage and preach God's word, it was me. The kid with the speech impediment being made fun of because he couldn't even raise his hand in class and even give an answer without stuttering. Not in a thousand years, no one would have picked me. My friends laughed at me when I wanted to go into leadership in high school. I wanted to be a class leader and they laughed at me. They said, dude, you can't even keep up with your socks because I would lose these random things. These were banned socks. You're supposed to have your socks with you. Like, you can't even keep up with your socks. How are you supposed to lead anybody? And if God can use me, he can use anybody. I'm telling you that, 100% true. Peter says the same thing. It's like, guys, we're, we're ordinary men filled with an extraordinary spirit. And so here's the application. We shouldn't assume that God works in us because of our own worthiness. There's nothing in you and I to where God says, mm, Jonathan, man, yeah, right there. Mm, Mason, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use him because Mason's so great. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna use Joseph because Joseph's so great. I, no, guys, it's nothing in us. You know what it is? Grace, mercy, kindness, power displayed through his conduits. Remember several weeks ago, we talked about a conduit. A conduit is tubing. It's a piece of plastic sometimes filled with power. That's us. By ourselves, we're nothing. I know that's not the message of our world, but without, without God, we're nothing. But he made us in his image. That is where we get our worth and dignity and the fact that you're, you and I are made in God's image. Like that's default. 
default mode, you were made to be an image bearer of God. And so we've got to move on this morning. Before we do, let's look at Psalm 115.1. You guys have heard this verse before. There have been many worship songs written to it. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but your turn. Oh, we're going to try that again. Not, not to us, Lord. I caught, I caught some of y'all sleeping. Not to us, Lord. Not to us, but be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We just said it a second ago. It's because of his love and his faithfulness, his consistency. That is what it's all about. And so we deflect the glory. We're mirrors made to reflect the light of the world, the glory of God. Now, Peter transitions here. He asks him these questions and then he transitions to what we're gonna call several indictments. Indictments are accusations. And here's the great thing. I mean, you guys know this about Peter. We saw it in his last sermon. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard anything about Peter, Peter told it like it was, okay? He was one of those tell it like it is guys. Sometimes it got him in trouble. But here, he just lays it out on the table. And there's a time and place for that, especially when you're calling people to repentance and faith in Christ and snatching them from the fires of hell and leading them to a redemption with God, yeah, we gotta lay all the truth on the table. So what does he tell him? What does he tell him? Look back to the text there. Let's pick it up in 14 where we stopped. He says, first of all, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. He goes on in 15, you killed, get this, you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. These are huge accusations. You denied the holy and righteous one. Let's dive into these because here's what, here's what happens. Sin is always a denial of the character of God. I don't want you to miss that in scripture. We see that in Genesis when this first happens. Sin is Rejection of what God has said, rejection of really who God is, because what God said, God's commandments, what are they based on? His heart and who he is. He says do and not do, not just for fun and not, not just randomly or arbitrarily, but no, they're all relating to the character of God. He says, be holy, for I am holy. That's what the scriptures say. So there are a few identities of Christ that are shared in this passage. That's why Peter goes into identities. So get this real quick and write these down. Peter reestablishes Jesus' identity in a few different ways. The first way he says, this is God's servant. You denied God's servant. Did you catch that in verse 13? He said, God used his servant. And this points back to Isaiah 53. You guys remember the suffering servant passage? Prophesied hundreds of years before Christ even came. And he says, this is the one that you betrayed. The second identity is the holy and righteous one. The holy and righteous one. These are huge Old Testament titles. Peter is clearly saying, Jesus is not just some great prophet. He gets to that in a second. He, he emphasizes his prophet status, his prophet office that he fulfilled. But he is the holy one and righteous one. And do a quick word search in Google or Bible Hub or whatever you wanna do, you version on righteous one or holy one in the Old Testament. And you'll see dozens and dozens of times the Lord God, these are titles for him. Jesus clearly taught that he was God. Peter clearly taught that Jesus is God. And lastly, the source of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
you'll have a note in your Bible that says literally prince or ruler of life. You killed the prince of life. You killed him. He showed up to save you and you killed him. And then he goes on in 14, did you get this? And you asked to have a murderer released to you. You had the opportunity to, to, to set him free and you said, no, we'll take the murderer instead. And we look at that and if we're honest, we go, we're, we're pretty hard on these people, right? You know, we go, how, how, how could you do that? But if I'm honest with you, time after time after time in my life, I have wanted things and people other than God more than I wanted him. And I hate that, but it's true. And we gotta fight that, friends, don't we? There's, you do not exist in a neutral world. Let me be very honest with you tonight. There's so many, so many things of this world, material things that are after your heart. And Satan will use every one of them to capture your affection. Don't miss this. God created you for affection with him, but there's so many other things that want to pull you away from God. And Hebrews 12 tells us, let us throw off those things that so easily entangles us. They get us tangled up, get us messed up. Let us cast all that off. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here's a simplified version. You were an adversary to God himself. That's what Peter says. Look at verse 16. Let's put verse 16 up on here. This is a bombshell verse and another great 316 in scripture. One of the easiest ones to memorize is another 316 verse. Here we go. By faith in his name. Whose name? Jesus' name. His name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you. Make no mistake, it is the name of Jesus that healed this man. Get your eyes off of us, put your eyes upon the sun. Psalm two, a messianic psalm, you write that down to read later this week, it's a really short one, uh, about eight verses. It says, pay homage to the sun, kiss the sun, some of, your, some of your translations may say. Give him worship, because he is the king, the source of life. The credit goes to Jesus, not to us. Let's move on. Second core truth is this the pure cleansing of the Messiah. We're gonna get right into the text here. The pure cleansing of the Messiah. Let's look at verse 17 together. And now brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance. You hear what Peter says here? I think someone's alarm's going off. He says, he gives them the benefit of the doubt. Did you catch that? In all of this indictment, you would think, man, he's like roasting these guys. He's roasting these people here. No, guys, make, make no mistake. Peter had the same heart that Paul did. He loved these people. You get that? He loved them enough to tell them the truth. We have this in our head that if I offend anyone, that means I don't love them. Sometimes you gotta love somebody enough to offend them, to risk offending them. You gotta love them enough to risk offending them more than you care about their rejection of you. And so sometimes we think we're loving people well when actually we're just being really selfish. And we have to say the hard thing. And so Peter softens his, for a moment, he's, he's gonna get right back into the indictments in a little bit. But he says, brothers, sisters, I know that you did not fully understand the extent 
of your sin. Let's look in verse 18. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent, turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that the seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. You know, this, this truth, I want you guys to write this down. I want us to simmer on it because it's gonna come back up again and again in the book of Acts. We fail, but God fulfills. Peter says, you guys didn't really understand. You, you had tunnel vision. Anybody ever had tunnel vision before? You can only see this and whatever's outside of this. You just don't know what you don't know sometimes. And even when we mess up, we don't always understand how our sin, like the, the full ramifications of our sin, we don't see it like God sees it. He sees the big picture. It's why God cares so much about sin. We go, why is God getting so wrapped up in what I do and what I don't? Because he can see how it affects every single person in the entire world. God sees all of that. And he's like, no, you, you, don't, you don't understand. Like, like if you go and do this, it's, it's gonna affect these 20 or 30 or 50 things. And we just see, like children, right? Any parent in here gets this. Kids can just only see that one thing. But I want this. But I need that. We go, no, 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 no. You didn't listen. And so this is the heart of God. But even though they didn't understand, what, what do we say in 18? God fulfilled his plan anyway. You know what's the amazing thing about God? He fulfills his will even when we get in the way. Even when we fail. He fulfills. And he's faithful to do that. His word from begin, from the left side to the right side, he has fulfilled every single word. And there's some things that have yet to be fulfilled. There's so, there are a lot of now but not yet prophecies that are going to be fulfilled as well. You know, in 1900, there was this huge hurricane that bore down on Galveston Island, Texas. You guys know where that is? Gal Galveston, Texas. It was on the island and one old bridge connected the island to the mainland. And it was the only way that thousands of people could get off the island. Even without modern detection systems, the, 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 the coming hurricane was spotted and they were given warning after warning after warning after warning. There were no visible signs. They couldn't see it with their eyes. They had no evidence. But people living on the island chose to do nothing. When that terrible storm struck, 6,000 people lost their lives and the city of Galveston was completely destroyed. And you know what's there today? A concrete wall. A concrete wall that stands as a barrier. Heaven forbid that would happen again, but it's not really just a protection barrier. You know what it also is? It's also a monument to remind this area that a century ago, thousands of people heard a message. They heard a warning after warning after warning that chose not to respond. This is what Peter is doing to the Jewish people. He's saying, you guys have ignored a thousand warnings. It's like if you were to take out your phone and just turn off the notifications, all notifications, I'm tuned out. I'm not getting notifications anymore. And we can get like that with God. The Bible says our heart grows callous. 
You guys heard that before in scripture where your heart grows callous? It's like at a certain point when God pricks your heart in just the right way to convict you, you don't even feel it anymore because there's just a thickness there. And you know what creates that callousness? Selfishness and stubbornness, obstinance. The Old Testament phrase is stiff-necked people. You guys have heard that? You know, wandering around the wilderness and Moses gets all fired up and he says, you guys are a bunch of stiff-necked people. We're pretty stiff-necked too, aren't we? We need Jesus, don't we? And he reminds them that they always have an opportunity for a fresh start. So here's verse 19 again, repent. This Greek word, this Greek word here, we're gonna put it on the screen here. And it's metanoia. It's a change of mind or attitude. You know what repentance is all about? Metanoia. It means my attitude is not with God's attitude. And I'm going to shift my thinking to God's thinking. Because guess what? Our starting place is not aligned with God. We think about things very different. And I'm gonna go back to the parent illustration again. If you've been a parent for more than five seconds, then you have experienced this. But even if you can, can remember growing up and remembering listening to your teachers or, or not listening to your teachers, thinking that, I mean, have you ever been there before when someone gives you a rule? Oh man, I've done this so many times. I gotta fess up. So many times, I've been given a rule and I, the first thought to myself is, that is a stupid rule. That's a dumb rule. I'm not gonna obey it. I mean, just being honest with you guys, I, if I think a rule is dumb, I'm really tempted to not follow it. Because I go, I, think, I don't think that rule is good. But repentance isn't like that. Repentance is, I don't really fully understand that rule, but I trust the rule giver. The rule giver's good, desires my good, knows what he's doing, and I trust his leadership. And that's what we do when we come to Christ and we repent. Here are three glorious gospel truths from this section real quick. We're gonna write these down super quick. The first thing that we see in this section is cleansing. Did, did you guys get that here? In this section, therefore repent and turn back, verse 19, so that your sins may be wiped out. And this is the truth of the gospel, that there's been a cleansing Remember that old hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood. I know it sounds like a Halloween poem, it's not, okay? There is a fountain filled with blood that drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners are plunged beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains. They lose all their guilty stains. Only the blood of Jesus as our sacrifice can cleanse us from sin. It is an erasing. The big seminary word is expiation. It means that our sins are forgotten. They're cast as far as east from west. They used to slaughter this, this, this goat and they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. And then you know what they would do with another one? They would send them off into the wilderness to symbolize that that's what's happening to your sin. That not only is your sin being atoned for in the Holy of Holies in the temple, but it's being cast away. Yeah, God's all knowing, he knows but he's choosing to remember no more. There's a cleansing, a blotting out of stains. And here's the truth of the gospel. We cannot atone for our own sins. I did not understand this the first two decades of my life. I thought I showed up to church, beaten, battered, and bruised from the week, all my failures and shames, and I show up at church and I give God my best 
during the service. And in that, that will atone for my sin. And that's not the gospel. Remember what we said last week, we gotta show up broken. We gotta show up and say, God, without you, I'm nothing. And Jesus said it in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But what else? We see refreshing, look, look, look back at verse 20. So there's repentance. Guys, turn back so your sins may be wiped out. And then in verse 20, guys, seasons of refreshing will come, appointed for you. Jesus has been appointed for you as the Messiah. He's gonna send this season of refreshing that comes from where? What does is, what is the text say there for those of you looking at your Bibles in verse 20? The season of refreshing may come from the, the presence of the Lord. So this is where refreshing comes from. We cannot be refreshed apart from salvation, but apart from the literal presence of God. And friends, we must spend time with God to experience this refreshing. We must thank him daily for his cleansing work. For We have to meditate on this daily. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who dwells on God's word day and night, night and day. Remember, meditation is circulation. We keep it going. It's not 10 minutes in the morning of a cup of coffee and we're done with it till tomorrow at 6.10 and we put in our five minutes and, that, and that's, that's a great start if that's, if that's where you're at. But eventually we have to get to where we're circulating it all day long. We find different ways to keep this truth alive in us. And I wanna encourage someone right now because I know some of you in the room are going through some hard stuff. You're in a tough spot right now for a variety of reasons. It's one thing I love about our church being small in, in the season that it is because I can look out in the room and just know where many of you are at because you've shared prayer requests, because you've talked to me about these things, because you've talked to your group about these things. And I know some of you are in a real valley right now, but let me promise you something, that there is an oasis available for you in, in the valley. I'm gonna say that one more time. There is an oasis available for you in the valley that you were in. What am I talking about? An oasis is a source of life and nourishment and thriving in the midst of a barren wasteland. There are these spots where the Lord, the presence of the Lord will be your refreshing. And you know what the promise of God is in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. Here it is. If you seek me with all your heart, this is from God, these are God's words. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Hear that tonight, from God to you. I'm, I'm just the messenger. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. So seek him with all your heart tonight. And then we see restoration there, don't we? Heaven must receive him. That's where Jesus is right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Until when? Until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. So let's move there. And let's close out with our third core truth tonight. And it's this. And write this down. The perfect promises of the Lord our God. Let's read verse 22 together. He speaks about the holy prophets from the beginning, that God's been faithful in keeping his word. He quotes Moses from Deuteronomy 18. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to those after him, 
they have also foretold these days. And here he goes. He reminds them of their identity. We're going to get into this more in a second. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. And God raised up his servant, there it is again, and sent him to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. There's so much here, guys. But Jesus, Jesus fulfilled three main offices, prophet, priest, and king. And Peter focuses on the prophetic office. He said, Moses was great, but there's a better Moses. And it was Jesus. And Moses talked about him. Moses talked about Jesus. He said, he's coming. You got to listen to him. Everything he tells you. And if you don't, the consequences are dire. In this, Peter reminds them of another set of three. It's our final set of three, I promise. I know we've had a lot of sets of three tonight. This is the final one. You, You ready to write this down? Here we go. The Jewish people that he's preaching to had lost their identity. Remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon. What did I say? Sin always is an affront to identity. It's an affront to God's identity. They forgot who he was, so he reminds them who Christ is and who they betrayed and who they denied. But they've lost their identity. And he says at the beginning of verse 25, he says, you are, that's an identity statement. You are the sons of the prophets of the covenant that God made with your ancestors. Why does he tell him about a covenant? Because God's a covenant God. It goes back to his identity. What's a covenant? It's a promise. It's a solemn promise that God will fulfill, has fulfilled, will always fulfill. We make covenant promises too, don't we? We don't always perfectly fulfill them though, do we? But God is not like us. He will never forsake his promises, his perfect promises. So he reminds them, you are children of Israel. You are select your chosen people from God. You've forgotten who you are. I know that we may read something like this and you go, well, I'm not Jewish, so this has nothing to do with me. Well, read Romans 4 this week and you will see that if you have faith in the same God that Abraham does, if you have faith in that very same God, you are a child of faith. You are children of Abraham. I know this may, if, you, if you've never read Romans 4, if you, if you don't believe me, read it. Read it. Go, go read it, because I'm seeing a lot of eyebrows right now. Because, okay, children of Abraham, I thought it was just the Jewish people. No, 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 no. Abraham, how is he justified? By faith. Faith in who? Yahweh, the Lord God, the same God we believe in. One God, eternally, eternally revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So they lost their identity. The second, though, they forgot their future. And I bet there are some here tonight that you forgot that you have a hopeful future as well. The covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. He takes them back to the Abrahamic covenant because Christ fulfilled that covenant. And he's like, guys, you have a glorious future ahead of you. Don't forget that. And then here's the most crucial part, because this is still the part that some of us in the room are missing. And it is a received blessing. Write that down tonight as we close. Received blessing. And here's the truth tonight. Ready? God wants to bless you this evening. We know how God blesses us by turning us from our evil ways. 
The old hymn says this, prone to wander, now I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Have you ever seen that hymn before? Come, come thou fount. I'm prone to wander, Lord. We're prone to wander. Even, even after you're saved by Christ, you're still tempted to wander away from him. And God is turning us from our evil ways. See, sometimes we see conviction as some kind of enemy. We don't, we don't want to feel conviction. We don't, we don't want to face that hard truth. But here's the thing. Conviction is God's kindness. Book of Romans says that his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And so tonight, I wanna just put this verse on the screen. This is just gonna kind of facilitate our invitation. This is for someone tonight in the room. I don't know who's for. I don't claim to know who, but I, but I know it's for someone because I know God brought each of you here on purpose for a purpose. And here's the verse, ready? Let's put this on the screen. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the rebellion, what's the rebellion? It's when we sinned against him. It's when we said, no thanks God, I'll do things my own way. And here's the glorious truth of the gospel, that there is always an opportunity for a fresh start. You can come back to him. You can come to him for the first time. I don't know what to say, it's simple. Come to him, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I want to repent and I want to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Because remember that cleansing we talked about earlier? He died a bloody death on a cross so that every one of us could be cleansed from all our sins, all our guilty stains, past, present, and future, done with, settled, completely paid for. It is finished to tell us die. It is done. That's what Jesus went to the cross for because he loves you. He laid down his life for you and I. We receive the blessing. Remember how we ended there? We receive the blessing of salvation by repentance and faith. So turn from your sin and trust in Jesus tonight. I invite you to do that. You can do that right there in your seat. You can pray to God just in your own words. He knows your heart. And if you do that tonight, please make sure you grab a card in front of you and let us know because we want to... We wanna celebrate with you that you have given your life to Christ and we wanna help you take your first steps in your walk. Maybe for others of us tonight, maybe we, we just need to embrace these core truths that Peter wrote. And I don't know which one hit you. I know we talked about a lot of different things tonight, but whatever hits you right between the eyes, you guys ever heard of the holy two by four that God uses sometimes? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just like that moment where you Here's something, maybe from me, maybe from someone else, maybe you read it in the Bible, it grabs your attention and you go, that's me. Or, oh, it just stops you in your tracks and you know that there's a next step you need to take. And the first next step that we take in this moment is response. We don't, we don't wanna ever hear God's word and just sit there like a bump on a log. Everyone in this room has a response tonight and you will make a response of some kind, of some sort. And I wanna pray that God would help us make the response that we need to, that his spirit would be so kind to us to make that clear. So can we pray together? Lord God, we love you. We thank you, we praise you, Lord. We ask that as we close our time, our message time tonight, God, I pray that today if someone hears your voice, 
they hear you calling out to them that they would not harden their heart, but that they would turn to you and receive the healing that is possible through the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, the death that you died, the glorious resurrection that you performed. You did not stay dead, Lord. You rose again. And tonight, I pray that you would help everyone respond in the way that they need to. To pray what we need to pray, to sing what we need to sing. And Lord, that we would hear your voice clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.com.